what you're selling is yourself. And to an extent, you have to sell yourself first on your self-worth and your value. And to be able to sell you instead of being behind a brand or being behind a company is very challenging for most people. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful consulting business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on Going Solo, I'm speaking with fractional integrator with Wolf's Edge Consulting, Jen Hamilton. How does a CPA in a big firm become a solo consultant as a fractional integrator? Listen to my discussion with Jen. In today's episode, Jen discusses how important it is to understand your value. Discussions with your peers in a safe, caring community can really help you understand your value and price your services appropriately. Relationships with colleagues you can trust is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Jen Hamilton. Jen's love of effective and efficient teams and processes started as a CPA with PwC. Now as a fractional integrator with Wolf's Edge Consulting, she loves to work with burnt-out visionaries by managing the business's day-to-day -day operations so they can focus on profit and impact growth and do what they love to do most. Jen is a natural collaborator, problem solver, strategic thinker, and leadership coach. She keeps the team laser-focused on what is best for the company and who they serve while developing the team. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm so happy to be here. You started your career in a very traditional corporate setting. PwC, and your career had some pivots while you were employed. Can you talk a little bit about some of those transitions? Yes. I left college thinking I wanted to be an accountant, and then I started doing auditing and accounting and realized I wanted to be a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I thought I was getting into. So it was interesting because when I started as a CPA, what I really liked is digging into the company and understanding what's working, what's not working, and wanting to give them ideas on how to improve. That's not quite what you do as an auditor, but that's what I was hoping I would get to do. And what you do as an auditor instead is you walk in the room as a CPA and they go, ooh, yuck, auditor, CPA, and everyone wants to run and hide. <laughs> so it wasn't quite the interaction I was expecting, but as my career developed, as you mentioned, I was able to start to develop my team more. And I really appreciated that, being able to give guidance and support to those who I had on working on the client with me. I've been, was able to start to develop, do some trainings and things. So I started to get the parts that I love about the work, being able to develop the team into the work that I was doing. And then I also was volunteering while I was in the public accounting world and really enjoyed the work that I was doing volunteering. So when I left, I went to go when I left public accounting after seven years, I went to go work for a nonprofit. It kind of went the other direction. I was like, get me out of this corporate world. I want to go do things that make me happy. And that's when I started to lean into the work I was volunteering. And the work I was doing there was still that development side. And I worked 
as a consultant within a nonprofit working for different schools and school districts in the California Department of Education. And again, it was another thing where I was I was focusing on the things I love, which is the training and the development, but there was the ever-present stress and constraints of being in a government contract and then budget constraints and that kind of thing. So I tried to do, make the most of it, bring bring to life my love and my passion for developing people and having processes and developing that kind of thing. So I always tried to get creative with what I was doing. But at some point, I just had enough. You know, I was over the fact that my life was was all around whether or not the federal government and the state government would give us money <laughs> working within a nonprofit and doing consulting. And it was at that point that I decided to to kind of stop trying to be consultant and stop trying to make things the way I wanted to be within the employment world and make it on my own. What did you know about the fractional model? At the time I left, it was about 11 years ago, and I didn't know so much about the fractional model. I knew more about the solo consulting model and being able to do that. And that was more the world that I went into. It was later that I understood from collaborating with other folks starting to use the term fractional and then realizing, hey, that's kind of what I've been doing. (laughs) But I started to use it for myself as well. Mm. What were your first kind of uh, client relationships like as a consultant? My first client relationships were more around that leadership development. So working with leaders and managers and helping them develop their own skill set in being a professional, essentially how to be accountable, how to set up processes that can be duplicated, how to lead their team, bring in um, new people and how to get them set up well so that it wasn't constantly knock on the door and come on in and interrupt me so that they can be productive, their team can be productive, everyone was on task and on track. And they could also, one of my taglines were, no more jerks at work, essentially. So um, bringing up their EQ, if you will, their, their emotional intelligence was a lot of the reasons that clients brought me in as somewhat that middle management and that developing leader to get them to bring all those skill sets together. Mm -hmm. What business model did you use in the early stages of your consulting business? Early on, I was uh, was doing project by project, would go out to the different clients and it was all on me. I wasn't part of, I wasn't part of another larger consulting firm and I was all just my own networking and my own uh, marketing. It was just 1099 with my clients or independent contractors. It's hard, hard to not talk CPA sometimes. <laughs> but would would go out and get my own work. And then later I started to evolve as being somewhat of a subcontractor under some of the other consultants and working side by side in collaborative partnerships as well. But I started first just doing my own thing, trying to get my own clients. Right. Was the client work primarily project based early on? It was project-based. I did end up having some long-term coaching programs with some of those managers. So that was helpful because it continued to have the reoccurring income. But there were some times where I would go in on certain projects and help them put in learning management systems or put in processes and training manuals. So spend a little bit more time seeing that there was missing elements to get those leaders to have their team know what to do. And so we would start to put in some of those more robust systems and support 
And that was very much project-based, you know, once that was done and complete and the team itself, the client themselves could could handle it on their own and keep it going, then, then I would step out. And Jen, in your business now, who's your ideal client? In the work that I do now, I'm a fractional integrator, a fractional COO is another term for it. And for me, it's the smaller to mid-sized businesses that they've got about 10 employees to maybe up to 250 professional services and and uh, nonprofits or businesses for good like B Corps and things are who I love to work with because they're always up to something more than just income. They like to make a big impact and I like to do both as well. Uh, where they're struggling essentially is it's usually the founder, the CEO is got these great big ideas and they want to do things and they maybe they started as a technician and they just love serving the client or they have this bigger idea of how to serve clients better and yet they're stuck in the day-to-day operations and so they're looking for someone to essentially offload the management of the day-to-day operations management of the team and get their operating systems in order from metrics to processes to you know their organizational charter we like to call their accountability chart like getting all those things that usually are a little bit more in the weeds and how to really run a well-oiled machine as a business is not always what people found their business, whether it's a nonprofit or professional service on. They just want to serve people. So I like to make them serve people better and their team serve people better by getting their operations nice and well-oiled and working working well. Yeah. Do organizations like that also hire internal full-time people for these kinds of roles or or not necessarily? Yeah, that's part of what I really loved about when I first understood this fractional model. And not everyone does this, but one of the things that I love because I'm so so focused on sustainability and impact, it has been a through line throughout my career, is that as a fractional integrator, I'm really, my job is to work me out of a job. And I believe that that's what a lot of uh, nonprofits are about or people that are about making a big impact is like, how can we make the world a better place? And after we're gone, it stays a better place. (laughs) So as a fractional integrator, my job is to really help kind of go from mess to maintenance, get the company to get out of their mess and to get things rolling and have good systems and habits and processes and and metrics and all that kind of thing, and then grow them to the point where they can replace me from this fractional sort of part-time CEO. And we will hire or help promote within and train and transition to a full-time person. Because at some point, ideally, if we do our job well, they will grow enough that they need someone there to be full-time. And that's when it gets to that maintenance mode and I get bored and I want to go on to find a new mess. Yeah. Do you, do you ever find that clients, because they have developed a trusting relationship with you and you've helped them through some real hurdles that they want to hang on and they, and even though they may be able to manage on their own, they don't really want to end the relationship? It does happen when I've had to end relationships. It can be a little bit sad because they are like, no, we're not ready to lose you. What we do to help make that happen, because there are people that are doing that fractional work that do work themselves out of job or consultants are doing the same thing too. You get into a project and they really like you and don't want to lose you. But if it's no longer a fit or no longer, I believe in integrity to continue to be there, it's a disservice instead of a service. Then what you what we do and what I think it helps is that you communicate it from the beginning. 
So when we set up our proposals and we set up our relationship, we make it very clear that the end result is that we are going to transition from ourselves being here to getting you full-time. So making that clear, and then we continue to remind them throughout the engagement, and we'll actually signal um, a good, like, maybe 60, 90 days out, depends on how much time they need. Hey, it's time to start to replace me. So we we kind of wean them off us, if you will. Yeah. And make it clear from the beginning. But from the consultant's business perspective, is, isn't there an interest in maintaining the relationship because it also keeps the income coming in? So it's a good question. You know, there's two different ways to look at your clients for for growing your income. One is the term upsell, or essentially finding other opportunities to be of service. And certainly that happens while you're there. But if there's a point when they are better served and they are better equipped to do it internally, then I believe it's more appropriate to wrap it up. And there's another way then that client can get you income, which is referrals. So you can maintain the relationship, but if it's no longer truly in integrity or having the strongest business ethics to be there and to be serving them because they're better served by doing it on their own, or maybe you're no longer a fit. Sometimes I do see consultants trying to take on a project that maybe isn't right for them. So it's better to have that relationship and that reputation of doing what's best for the client. I think you'll get more referrals and more income in the long run from that client through those referrals if you truly are saying whether it's internally or maybe someone externally if you're no if you shouldn't be there. Obviously if you should be there and you can continue to grow that income, having the ability to demonstrate what their need is and how you can make that need and make a plan. And if they accept that plan for you to continue to do additional work, that's that's great. That's great for both sides. But it truly needs to be a win-win on all sides. Not just you wanting to keep the client because you believe you can't get other income or replace that client. Right. No, that makes sense. So looking back over the number of years that you have had your own business and going back to your own transition out of corporate life, one of the things that I see is, especially for folks that have been an organizational setting as an employee for many years, you know, like typically 20 plus and sometimes even longer, it's a very challenging transition. And if you're mid to high level as an employee, you're likely to be in a position where you have an overflowing inbox, a full calendar, a built-in social structure as part of your organization. Your identity is, is attached to who pays your paycheck. And then you walk out the door, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, you walk out the door and very often you're starting a consulting business from ground zero. You don't have any clients yet. So you have an empty inbox, an empty calendar, no social structure, spending all your time alone. Your friends from work are ghosting you. And then you have to get up and sell something that you've never sold before. In um, You may have delivered the kinds of solutions in an organizational setting, but you've never done it on your own. So it can be really daunting. What advice would you have for people that are facing that I would say, first of all, what David just described is so real. So know that that's what's coming (laughs) if you are deciding to leave from that kind of what feels safe and secure as an employee, although in many ways it's not. And if nothing else, we've learned that over the last two years. Plus, (laughs) obviously, there's more and more people going solo that, that they're understanding that. 
But I think that the the reality of it is know that that is that is reality. There are a lot of transitions. So there's a couple things to prepare for and to work through that. One is to understand there is going to be some identity crisis, as you mentioned, knowing that you were first identified as this somewhat high-level person within this company, or you have this respect in this social structure, et cetera. So be prepared and be gentle with yourself. Have, whether it's a coach, a business coach, a therapist, some something, a good friend, you know, anyone who can listen and support you through that. There will be some mental and emotional things to work through because in any life's transition, you want to be able to realize (laughs) I may have to go through a couple things and that's human and it's normal. And if you didn't, I'd be actually more worried. (laughs) Maybe you really needed some help at that point, but it's, it's appropriate to get you through those, those transitions from an emotional and mental state. The other thing to realize too, is that A big transition, and you kind of mentioned this with like, you haven't sold this before. You may have delivered before, but you haven't sold it before. And in particular, what you're selling is yourself. And to an extent, you have to sell yourself first on your self-worth and your value. And to be able to, to sell you instead of being behind a brand or being behind a company is very challenging for most people. There's a lot of imposter syndrome that pops up. But there's also just the lack of knowing how to do it. And one thing I will say is that this is not necessarily the best case of monkey see, monkey do. Sorry to rat out most consultants and coaches and fractional people, but a lot of times we sell based on how we saw other people sell. And that isn't always great, especially if you're on LinkedIn these days. A lot of times people just go right to the sell. It's like, here's what I do. You should buy it. Here's all the features. Here's what I can do. Here's how I can do it. Where you want to sell is more like you consult. You want to understand first where they're at and what they need and propose a plan to get there and then see if by educating them how you can work through that plan with them, if you're the right fit or not. Now, that's how we consult. That's how we serve. If we take that into our sales, that's how you problem solve, essentially. And if they choose your solution to solve the problem, great, then you have a sale. But I think that there's there's a need to either grab some good books, grab a good sales coach or something, but understand how to do relationship-based sales and to go through a problem-solving process with your potential client in order to sell. If you work on those few things, you will realize that you actually are more skilled at sales than you thought because that's why you're doing consulting or coaching or or fractional work is that you are a great problem solver. You can see an issue and get through it. And that's really what I would say is the other big, big tip is to understand that all of what you've done before is how you're going to sell and it's how you're going to serve. So the other part of imposter syndrome is, can I do this? And I would I would tell people that I've worked with and sometimes I have to remind myself too, you probably had to BS your way through a project and research and figure out things on your own in your job. And you know you had to do it because you had a boss. Well, guess what? You'll do the same thing in your own practice for yourself and you'll do this for your clients. You will suck it up. You will do the research and you will figure it out. So just do that early enough on that you don't swim in your concerns and your worries. But that's how you've done it in a job. That's how you'll do it now. 
So Jen, let's let's go a little bit deeper in the problem solving process. Sure. Um, as part of the the sales process and the delivery, the solution delivery process. If you're going through a, a relationship building and problem solving process, as you're selling, how do you know? And you're not making money while you're selling, right? You're you're yes. you're getting to the point where the sale is going to happen. Where is the dividing line between the consultative sale and the consultative delivery? I am so grateful you asked. I think way too many times we are, because of that worry of like, how to prove myself, I got to prove to myself and to this potential client that I'm valuable. We go way over the line and start delivering before we're paid. I definitely do not recommend that. I have learned that the hard way, as I'm sure many people have, and you lose the client because you gave so much away in the sales process. Ooh, let me give you this, this sample coaching, or let me just put an assessment to you. And then they have all the information and they think they can do it on their own. So first of all, it doesn't serve you, but it actually does not serve the client because they need way more depth than you have. So what what I would say is that where the dividing line is, is that when you are in your consultative sales process, you're building that relationship, you want to have a high-level assessment. You want to just understand overall, where are they now and where do they want to go? And so that you have a basic idea of how to get there. When you are selling, you are selling on the why and the what. Why is this important for them? Why do they want to get to these goals? And what is it going to take to get there? What you don't do until you're paid, aka in delivery, is how to do it. So don't give them all the details of the how. You can keep it very, very high level. Again, what needs to be done. But in order to get your how, your brilliance in how you solve problems, they got to pay for it. (laughs) Well said. Even an assessment, you know, a lot of times you don't want to give a full assessment, just a quick uh, inquiry and understanding But a lot of times you start with an assessment in whether it's coaching or consulting or fractional, you need to understand where you are. That's a great sign. If you've got to go in deep and start to ask more questions, that's when the how begins. That's when the delivery begins. And that's when you should start to get paid. Right. So in your your own process, what part, what do you actually do in the sales process when you're not getting paid? And when do they have to start paying? So essentially for for our sales profit process with Wolf's Edge, we are having a lot of questions to understand what is the current situation that brought them to want to get some outside support? What is it that is their goals overall with their business or their division depends on, you know, what they're what they're working on and why those goals matter, what makes it important to them to achieve those goals? And then from there, what we are understanding is why they would want somebody external. What kind of value are they looking for from somebody external? So these are all just questions, right? They're doing most of the answering at this point. And then from there, what we're doing is we work as a team, and that's part of the benefit of being on my own, but then also having the um, relationship that I have now as being a part of a firm of of a collection of us is that we can put our heads together and then come up with an overall plan. So when we put that plan in front of a client, it's overall, what are the steps that we are going to walk through? So doesn't it? So for example, it may say that we're going to assess your, 
your accountability chart or your um, organizational chart, but it doesn't say how we're going to assess, assess it. It just says we're going to assess it. So that's what I mean by the what. And we say all of the different things, we're going to have this many meetings, we're going to develop your your leadership team, but we're not saying how we're going to develop your leadership team. So we we may have a very, and we do have a very detailed outline of how we're going to get them from where they are now to where they want to go. But we're not giving so much detail that they can just be like, oh, cool. Now I have your entire plan and I can go do it myself or hire someone else. Does that help make that distinction? It's super helpful. And actually, you know, you, you've covered so much territory of what consultants and coaches go through in the early stages. And you, you've you gone through this and you have sorted it out. So thank you for sharing lots of details that I think will be really actionable for people. Janet, if someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or access any resources you may have or get in touch with you because uh, they're interested in, in your services, where would be the best place for them to go? Well, I am always happy to connect on LinkedIn and I'll make sure share that link with you, but it's Jennifer Hamilton or Jen Hamilton. There's quite a few of us, so we'll make sure we have the link. We will put uh, it in the show notes. <laughs> thank you. It is one of those things, having a name that a lot of people have is a little challenging. I'm also um, reachable at Wolf's Edge Consulting. And so Wolf's Edge does not, while it's apostrophe S, it doesn't have the apostrophe in the name. But if you go to um, our website as well as email, so Hamilton at Wolf's Edge Consulting, I'm happy to reach out to with people. I love to mentor and support new folks um, and also folks that have been at it for a while. A lot of times what will happen is you're like, ooh, I'm out on my own. I got consulting and my old boss, you know, hired me back to do a project and you think you're a consultant. And then you do that for a while and that project ends and you're like, wait, I have no other clients. So you might be new, even though you've been doing this for a couple of years. And even if you're at that stage, I'm more than happy to mentor you through and give you some tips and ideas of how to make it. Because I want our profession to be as highest quality as possible. But I also want us to sustain because we all have amazing gifts and companies need those gifts and they don't necessarily need us the whole time, maybe for a project, maybe for a fractional basis. So I'm super passionate about what you're up to, David, and thank you for helping people get the courage and the support and the resources to go solo because this is where our world is going and you guys are out, out there listening are super intelligent, really gifted. Do not give up. If you think about giving up, give me a call. We'll get you through it. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jen. You're My welcome. guest today has been Fractional Integrator with Wolf's Edge Consulting, Jen Hamilton. Thank you again, Jen, for joining us. Thank you, David, for having me. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mentioned on the show. In today's episode with Jen Hamilton, we learned how important it is to understand your value. Discussions with your peers in a safe, caring community can really help. Relationships with colleagues you can trust is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.